Hey, Lab Rats, Dan here. Before we crack open the vault on this episode that was originally recorded all the way back in August of 2019, I wanted to say a few things about how we got here. So, for one, we had a show that was weekly, obviously. And those of you that have dabbled in content creation previously may know that something that you write, produce, and publish from scratch is extremely time-consuming and oftentimes a thankless job. To put it briefly, it's tiring. We reached that very point in August of 2019, so much so that we didn't even have a finale for the show. We kept it open-ended because we never knew if or when we would pick things up and jump back into the show we created and the awesome community that came along with it. But just a month after we had stopped recording the show, I landed in the hospital for five days with a heart rhythm irregularity, and at 30 years old, this was a wake-up call for me. So I decided pretty quickly to purge my life of any and all sources of stress that were within my control. The D&D Character Lab unfortunately fell in this category. As I adjusted to my new lifestyle, Garen dabbled in content creation of various sorts, including the D&D One Word at a Time podcast, as well as the Channel 34 podcast channels. Uh, Channel 34 is still live and releasing new episodes as we speak, so be sure to check that out on wherever you listen to podcasts. But while both were satisfying to various degrees, we both felt an undeniable void. And then, of course, there's the pandemic. This affected both of our mental healths pretty greatly. Garen's job was initially impacted by the pandemic, which forced him to pursue alternate career options, and we both dealt with pretty crippling anxiety, which I'm sure most of you can relate to as well. And finally, our Patreon ran out of cash. So we asked you fine folks to finance our feed. And guess what? Just as you always have, you came through. So we'd like to personally thank the following individuals for helping us get our feed live again. So players new and old alike can enjoy all the creepy backstories that Garen showered us with over the years. And those fine folks are Tommy Hennessy, Mally34, Ryan Leftley, Andrew Hunt, Ben Potts, Matt Steinberg, and Chris Woodson. Thank you all so much for making this happen. Finally, I want to conclude this lengthy soliloquy with a bit of good news. The lab will be back this summer. We'll return in a bi-weekly format with brand new episodes featuring a ton of new and exciting content that we just cannot wait to show off. So keep an eye on your social media feeds for more specific updates. We can be found on most major platforms at DND Character Lab. Now, without further ado, please enjoy this never-before-heard episode featuring Ulran's Guide to the Plains, The Shadowfell. and welcome to another beautiful Wednesday on the internet. This is Dan with your morning announcements. We have a few things on the schedule, so let's get into it. Right after the intro, you can expect a little light banter regarding this week's featured product, followed by two backstories of uneven length and tabletop loot commercial. That's going to take us right into the rules recap right before we start scoring. Scoring will be as pointless as usual, but please be on alert for some fake posturing and at least one quibble over proper value of a category. I'll get listy in control, and Garen will overestimate the cleverness of his charisma scenario. Then we'll wrap up the show with a few more nice words about the product and preview of what's to come next time. Today's lunch special is the turkey fritter with questionable gravy. Of course, our joke specials will be farts and outdated pop culture puns, and our lab rat of the day is Ruckland for helping us get on the podcast junkie show. Thank you, and let's have a great day in the lab. Garen, you ready? 
it's about to drop. Do it. Dungeons and Dragons. Dan here. I started out in 5e. And me, I was sitting behind the DM screen. Yeah, that was three short years ago. I built a dragonborn fighter with no gusto. Fast forward a year. We're buying supplements and copping brand new gear. Incessantly making characters for one another. The only one who cared, of course, was our brother. Building new characters, score them all day. Each and every week, a brand new baby. How's their melee? How's their range? How's their magic? How controlling? How deranged? That's not a category. Just keep going. Uh, I think we were here? Grab a comfy chair and a glass of mead. Another fresh episode in your feed. Other podcasts can be kinda drab. This ain't one, it's the Character Lab. And welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week, we're bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and scoring against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey, I'm Garen. And I can't dance. I can't talk. The only thing about me is the way I build characters. It's Dan here. This week feeds my dark soul with Ulrant's Guide to the Plains, Shadowfell, by Marching Modron Press. 254 pages of world-building, monsters, deities, and character options make it so you're going to be totally immersed in this spooky world. Marching Modron Press is a Labby Award winner for the great work that they did on epic characters. Now, guys, if you don't remember that supplement... We hit it on our one-year anniversary of doing this podcast, and we made level 30 characters. Such a cool supplement. It's presented in landscape and has beautiful art. Just in general, Marching Modron Press's supplements are so beautiful, and this one is no exception. The same amount of work and meticulous effort went into this product. Yeah, it's really a team creating these products. I mean, I would say that Marching Modron Press is establishing themselves as a publishing house getting up to the level of someone like Cobalt Press because they put hours and hours of effort into this. Lots of people playtesting, lots of people checking the work. It's a very professional product. So that's why when you see it's going for sale at $24.99 for the product, you are getting your money's worth for it. Oh, it's it's without a question the most professional third-party content out there as far as a PDF as opposed to, like, hardcover, it just looks astonishingly beautiful. It, it really does, guys. We can't say enough great things about what Marching Modron Press is doing. So let's get into these dark characters. I will go first as a prologue to Dan's subsequent exhaustive prose. No, no music. But I'll take that water. Thank you. Pleasantly cold evening tonight, no? I prefer nights like this. You can really feel the air against your skin. And sound seems to carry longer and with more volume. The world is alive on nights like this. Well, not for everyone, if I have my druthers. You see, there's a small collective of damper that have gotten into their heads that the Dark Moon Ward is their buffet. That they can come there and ruin nights like these with their despicable feasting on unwitting Shadokai. It's not that I've lost colleagues to this menace. It's just the sloppy way it's been done. The bloodsuckers have not enough fear to use any precaution, so tracking them down to this estate, 
took hardly a shred of my efforts. Tonight, I think I will make their home one of extreme darkness, a place beyond reach of any light. They may think they prefer the dark, but that is only until they see just how deep and unrelenting it can be when it's coaxed to its full potential. The dark is a beast, you see, like any other. Only most of the time, it's cowering in corners and looking for permission to emerge when the light deigns it to allow. But when you give the dark courage to be the behemoth that it truly is, well, that is when its claws come out. They will feel those claws tonight, shredding through their very essence and leaving nothing behind that light can find. Right up here on the corner is fine, thanks. I appreciate it. I'll give you five stars. So I bring to the lab Laotian Synodel, a level 10 Nethermancy wizard. He is the Shardakai, the Dark Elf race. He is a noble background. This is a dark, 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 dark wizard. Guys, I am on cloud nine during this episode because both characters are dark and I just love the Shadowfell and I'm so happy that we're doing this. And that's all I want to say. I'm going to take us into my intro this week and my character's name is Dolph. As a Krynth, you needn't have committed a crime in order to be imprisoned in the Shadowfell. Such was the case for old Dolph, a miner by trade. He was rounded up and imprisoned in a labor camp at the ripe age of 13. Crowded, damp, miserable. These prisons were just breeding grounds for disease. In fact, it wasn't too uncommon for the weaker inmates to last only a year or two. Dolph, however, he had good genes. You see, the Krynth they're human-like beings in the Shadowfell, but they're a bit off. Well, they're commonly classified as outcasts because they're the product of slaves and demons. You know, well, you get the rest. The Krynth, they're, they're quite a bit larger than your average human, and they can be quite strong. It's the willpower in these prisons that needs to remain strong, though, in order to survive. See, Dolph was lucky. Early on, he latched on to some of the hardiest laborers in the camp. Little did he know... They also happen to be the seediest, trashiest, most despicable inmates in the whole camp. They built Dolph up from a wiry, lanky 13-year-old into the hulking mass that he is today. You'd be a fool to pick a fight with him. Good for him, right? Well, Dolph also got into some of the seedy activities himself. Started doing hard contraband drugs, selling said contraband drugs, moving and selling ladies of the night throughout the camp. Give us the girl! murdering fellow inmates that he saw as a threat. Or sometimes, not even for that. Sometimes he just did it for the thrill of the kill. <laughs> he became so powerful in the labor camp that not even the guards had any control over him. In fact, he could command them around and have them carry out his will as though they worked for him. Highly influential, that one. You know, in a deceptive way. Scary stuff. Anyway, I'm sure it comes as no surprise to you that one day he murdered the whole lot of guards and escaped from the later camp. Now he roams free in the Shadowfell, using his influence on the outside. A purveyor of vices of all kinds. I recommend you don't get into that, though. Stick to the tabletop RPGs, though, guy. You don't want to get mixed up with him down there. 
Dolph is a level 10 Krinth Oath of Debauchery Paladin with the Haunted One background. Now, the race and oath are from this supplement by Marching Modron Press. Again, the links are in the show notes, and the background is out of a unique supplement called the Player's Handbook by Wizards of the Coast. I don't think we've used it here before. (laughs) And this week's character was actually named by one of our patrons at the $20 level, one of the perks you get at $20. Joshua Slade named my character this week, Dolph. I'm excited that you picked this paladin oath because I was going to do it. I was building my character first, and I almost... Went for that one, and then I opted for the wizard because it's been a little while since I got into that. So the Oath of Debauchery sounds like a blast. Sometimes when going through these supplements, it's just a roll of a dice of what you get, you know? And in order to get the best chances, you got to have the best dice. And in order to get the best dice, you got to go to Tabletop Loot. What's that, you ask? Well, Tabletop Loot is an online purveyor of great products and even more heart. Their store has shirts, mugs, tote bags, and hordes and hordes of dice. What really makes this place special is they regularly support gaming in schools by having sales where every dice set purchased means that one will be donated to a school gaming program. And what's more is their dice selection cannot be beat. I can't go over all of them, though, because they have about a thousand and one, I think, different kinds. So I'm just going to tell you which kind I would use when playing Dolph. And that is Rook Raven with the rich black and gray. I know I touch on black and gray a lot, but I have a lot of dark characters. And the Shadowfell? Well, gray is about as bright as it gets there. But these gold numbers on there, they really pop. Do yourself a favor. Grab some fresh loot and give your old dice the boot. Thank you, Dan and Tabletop Loot, for that message. Now, if you guys are just joining us, this is the show format explanation. We have nine categories that we have prepared arguments for, and each we will state why our character deserves a score between minus two and positive two. A positive two is like Taika Watiti's What We Do in the Shadows. And a minus two is the feeling you had in your soul when you thought the Golden Retriever shadow in Homeward Bound was going to die. Now, finally, once per show, each of us will be able to force the other to roll for which the score we are arguing with a charisma save using the charisma score for our character. Then at the end, whoever has the most points wins. Starting off from the top, we always talk about that banging and clanging melee category. And a wizard is not normally that good in the melee category. Shocking to no one. But the Shardakai have a racial proficiency with the spiked chain. And my spiked chain is obviously one attack, but I have a plus six to hit, one D6, plus three slashing damage. And that is with the finesse property. And it has reach of 10 feet. So I am arguing that this is actually a zero. Yeah, I think that's actually probably qualifies as a zero. Pretty impressive wizard melee category, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think any other class I'd probably say minus one, but for a wizard, that's pretty cool. Sweet. Okay, what do you got? Obviously, I'm arguing a plus two here. I got a paladin with a great sword, plus seven to hit, deals out 2d6 plus three slashing damage, got two attacks, and you can pair that with one of my channel divinities known as Viciousness, and as an action, you can focus your tenants using your channel divinity, and for a minute, you can't be frightened, and you can add your charisma modifier to damage rolls of your melee weapon attacks. So, I can deal out that 2d6 plus three twice and add five to each one of those, making it... 40 total points of damage dealt out over that one round. Yeah, that's almost like rage damage. It really is. So I think that's worthy of a plus two. Right on. Yeah, I got no problems with that. That's a really strong category for you. I wasn't expecting that much damage. So do you have a range proficiency? Well, I'll tell you this much. I'm arguing a minus one because I technically have javelin. Okay, Uh, so let me ask you this. 
Do you count a 10-foot range on my chain as range damage? I really wouldn't, because it's still being held in your hand. Then I have a minus two. Thank you very much. I thought I'd ask. <laughs> then take us into burninating category, which is what kind of magic damage are you dealing? I think this is where you're going to knock me straight out of the water. I got quite a bit. Now, guys, I'm going to be mostly focusing on my spells that came out of this supplement here, but I do have a full spell list on my character sheet. So I've got Dark Bolt, a second level spell with a range of 600 feet. It is a ball of cold darkness. And on hit, the target takes 2d6 cold damage plus 2d6 necrotic damage. It deals half damage if the target is fully or partially standing in bright light. So this is a feature that I've seen quite a bit in this book is they really take into account you need to be immersed in darkness for this dark magic to work. And I love that. That's crucial balancing. That's putting a lot of thought into your work there. So pretty solid damage on that second level spell. But let me kick it up to a fifth level spell. Nulatho's Concussive Demise. Great spell name. Range of 60 feet. You focus your gaze on a creature that dies within range and an explosion of necromantic energy bursts from the body. Each creature within 10 feet of the corpse must make a deck save. On fail, a creature takes 6d10 necrotic and is pushed 10 feet in a straight line away from the corpse. This reminds me of the corpse class. You could use that on your corpse because the corpse itself would explode, but then that person would get to build a new character. So it's a great way to bomb your corpse. I got one more thing, and that is Shadow Evocation. Now, this is interesting. I've got two of these. Uh, the other one is Shadow Conjuration. And what you do is it's a third-level spell, but then you use the spell slot and you cast the spell to cast an evocation spell of lower level, but you change the damage to cold damage instead. It also is still affected by the dark light. That's a great way to get around resistances, which I think is a really slick feature. So I'm arguing a plus one in Burnating. Ooh, plus one. You know what? I'm going to make you roll for the plus one, and I'm going to make you get a zero in burninating. I think that's going to hurt. That would hurt. I have a charisma of plus two, because as you saw, my guy is pretty spooky. <laughs> um, so, rolled a natural one. Oh, man. Game changer. A zero in melee, a minus two in range, and a minus three in burninating. One of my stronger categories. Uh, Dan, how are you going to win this episode? Well, in burninating, I'm arguing a zero. I have magic missile, which is granted to me in this archetype. I also have divine smite, wrathful smite, which deals out that 1d6 psychic damage. And then divine favor. I don't think we've touched on this too much in this show. So just as a reminder, it deals out an extra 1d4 radiant damage on successful hits with your weapon attacks. So that's all I've got. I'm arguing for a zero. Okay, great. Uh, this, um, I'm, I'm going to have to make up some ground here. I got some good categories coming up, but I'm going to let you take it to control first. So what do you got? Well, I'm arguing a plus two. No oh. surprise here. I've got Divine Sense. I've got Unseen Servant, Levitate, Zone of Truth, Dispel Magic, Blinding Smite, Dark Vision of 60 Feet. And then I've got another Channel Divinity, which is, in my opinion, the crown jewel of this oath. It's called Words of Depravity. And it allows you to use your Channel Divinity to other debasing words that threaten to lower the inhibitions all of all that hear them. As an action, you present your holy symbol, and each humanoid within 30 feet of you that can hear you must make a wisdom saving throw and on a failed save a creature gains the following flaw until it finishes a long rest or until cured by a lesser restoration spell so powerful but cool and the tenant is 
I always follow my desires and do what brings me pleasure, regardless of how it affects others. Now, a creature that is immune to the charm condition automatically succeeds on the on the saving throw. I love this. I love the idea that you're putting a personality flaw on them that lasts for a while. That is a really original feature. Yeah, and imagine doing that in battle. Man alive. Also... I have a racial trait called Abyssal Whispers. It allows you to communicate telepathically with any creature that you can see within 10 feet using Abyssal. If the creature is able to understand at least one language, you can cause it to understand your telepathic utterance by using an action. Okay. Really unique and very, very cool. So all of that stuff considered, I'm arguing a plus two. Okay, so you've got some solid spells in there. You've got some things that were not very exciting. You've got that beautiful feature and the solid Abyssal Whispers. So I can't needle you down on that because I have to admit how much I love that feature that you said. Please just roll a natural one for me right now, okay? All right, but I've got a plus five to charisma, and this DC of 17 will only need a natural 12 on the die in order to get it. Here goes. I rolled an eight. Okay, so you didn't get it. Thank goodness. So I'll take that plus one. All right, Garen, what do you have in control? Okay, so when you take the Nethermancy tradition at second level, you get Nether Orbs. And these are two fist-sized circular masses of Vanta Black Shadow. Now, listeners, if you are not familiar with Vanta Black, V-A-N-T-A Black, Google that because that is the blackest black that's ever been created. It, it, it feels like something's wrong with your eyes when you're looking at it. But it's not a trick. That's exactly what it looks like. It has to be created in a lab. So I love that they use Vanta Black in this supplement here. So as an action, you can call them forth or you can make them banish. To draw power from your nether orbs, you must have conjured them into existence. The orbs, however, near your person while in existence. The number of orbs you have increases when you reach certain levels in this class. You have three of them at 6th level, four of them at 10th level. So I have four of them right now. Also, my second level feature is my nether aura. The range of my aura is 10 feet for each orb that I have. So I have an aura of 40 feet. When creatures are within my 40 feet aura, I can see normally in darkness, both magical and mundane. Creatures of my choice suffer the following effects. Bright light is perceived as dim light and dim light is perceived as darkness. They can't discern color and they can't see or hear farther than 300 feet. I see you. So that is a cool way to use a passive ability to mess with them a little bit. I've also got a spell called Otiluki's Resilient Sphere. Dan, have we used this one before? I can't recall. I don't think so. You create a sphere around a target. They must succeed on a deck save if they are unwilling. So once the target is inside the sphere, nothing, physical objects, energy, or spell effects can pass through the barrier in or out. The sphere is immune to all damage, and the creature inside can't be damaged by attacks or effects originating from outside, nor can the creature inside the sphere affect anything outside of it. The sphere is weightless and large enough to contain the creature or the object inside. An enclosed creature can use its action to push against the sphere's walls and thus roll the sphere up to half the speed. A disintegration spell targeting the sphere destroys it without harming anything inside. So what is more controlling than putting somebody inside an invulnerable ball? You like Pokeball, the dude. Yeah, you really do. So that is a classic wizard spell. I've got my nether orbs, which are not super powerful, but they are cool. And they're going to come into play later with my features. I'm arguing a plus one. Yeah, you definitely get a plus one. And guys, while Garen was arguing, I Googled Vanta Black and he's not lying. It makes it look like something's wrong with your eyes. Have you never seen that before? 
I have never seen that before, but guys, that's really cool. The flavor of that is awesome. So Garen, why don't you go ahead and take us into the tankiness category and tell us how your glass cannon fares in this category. Well, Lauchion has a lot of meat points. He's got 70 hit points. He's got that AC of 12, but his sixth level feature is Nethermancy, and I learned the darkness spell. It doesn't count against the spells I can prepare, and when I cast it on a point that isn't an object, I can move that point up to 15 feet as a bonus action for the duration of the spell. In addition, I can expend a Nether Orb by magically hurling it in an empty space that I can see within 60 feet. On impact, the orb implodes to create a five-foot diameter sphere of magical darkness on that space that remains there for one minute. I can see through the magic darkness created by my own sphere. That is a great way to get out of a sticky situation. I'm just throwing down like smoke clouds like a ninja. It is kind of an SOS, though, because it does provide some serious disadvantage to your allies. So it is, you know, very much a mayday protocol. But I really like the kind of void magic taste that we're getting here out of your uh, subclass. So what are you arguing? Well, I got a little bit more, Dan. I got Shadow Jaunt as a Shardakai. As a bonus action, I can teleport 60 feet to an unoccupied space that's in dim light or darkness. That's a shorter long rest recharge. And I have Shadow Stealth. While I'm in dim light or darkness, I can take the hide action as a bonus action. That's quite a bit of escape options for this wizard. I'm arguing a one. I'm also arguing a one, but I think I might just eke you out. But I got a minus three, though. I'm not going to let up on you. I have 120 HP and an AC of 16. I've got divine health, which means I'm immune to disease. I also have that lay of hands, 50 HP pool of health. I've also got a racial trait called Abyssal Ancestry, which gives me advantage on saving throws against petrified, paralyzed, and poisoned. I wouldn't really need the poison one, though, because I'm a paladin. And I also have a racial trait called Shadow Stealth. When in dim light or darkness, you can take the hide action as a bonus action. Also, I have Counterspell. I'm arguing a one. I think I get the one, you get the zero. Ah, but I have so many things, so many original things. But I've got so many things two racial traits, counterspell, and then some paladin traits, and I eke you out on the HP and AC. You're only putting counterspell in there because of my abjuration wizard. You love him. I still have dreams about him. All right. So how do I help my friends? Well, Garen, I'm not letting up yet. I'm arguing a plus two. I've got haste, compelled duel, remove curse, revivify. I also have a feature of the oath of debauchery called Aura of Excess, which at seventh level, using a bonus action, you can emanate an Aura of Excess for one minute until you drop unconscious or you end using it as another bonus action. Uh, while active, you and all creatures, friend or foe within 10 feet, can't benefit from any damage resistances and regain the maximum number of hit points possible from any healing. I really like that. I also have Aura of Protection and Aura of Courage, which obviously within 10 feet of me, they get a plus five on all of their saving throws and they can't be frightened. And I also have the Command Spell, so I'm getting a little creative here, using the Grovel feature of the Command Spell, an enemy falls prone and ends its turn, or the Drop feature of the Command Spell, an enemy drops whatever it's holding and then ends its turn. Both of those would be extraordinarily helpful against somebody who is fighting one of my allies. Boy, good argument on that. Nice addition to command there. This is a very helpful paladin. Okay, but here's my argument. He's only seeking his own pleasure, right? So he's not really, his heart isn't in this, is it? Well, it depends, because if the party are a bunch of escaped prisoners, then he's going to help his dudes. I was trying to make a creative argument, trying to whittle you down a little bit. Just lay down and take it. Okay. (laughs) That was so skeezy. (laughs) 
<laughs> I am an oath of debauchery paladin. What do you expect? Okay, you get your two. I have one spell, but I would like to argue for a zero because I think it could be extremely helpful in the right circumstances. This is a fifth level spell called Shadow Fade. You and up to eight willing creatures link hands in a circle are transported to a random location within the Shadowfell at the DM's discretion. For each person transported in this manner, there's a five percent chance that all transported creatures appear within one of the domains of dread. No! The spell fizzles and fails if cast while within the Shadowfell. So I'm in the real world, right? And things are going south because Lao Chien thought he was ready for the material world. So he just grabs his team and we shadow fade back to Shadowfell. What do you think? You have great emergency protocols. I'll just give you that. This is super great is what you're trying to say, right? It's, it's you are the panic button. I could get out of anything. But hold on, hold on. I was just looking at my notes. I have a lot of notes here. I have 10 pages of notes. You're a wizard. Of course you have a lot of notes. I have one more thing here, and I forgot to mention my 10th level feature, Dark Passage. Knowing all dark places in the world are connected, I learned to turn the areas of magical darkness into connected gateways. If I can see two areas of magical darkness, I can expend another orb as a bonus action to connect the two areas. While both areas of magical darkness persist, I can use a bonus action while within one of the magical darknesses to be transported to an unoccupied space in the other area of magical darkness. So a minor iteration of what you just said already. No, that is... No recharge on that. While it's active, I can keep bopping back and forth by expending nether orbs. I could have four different points that I'm moving between if I expend all my nether orbs. I'm all around the battlefield. That's helping my allies. Well, it's more battlefield control, but I'm not going to needle you. You could argue that it helps your friends, sure. And I do. You know who helps us as friends? Who? Podcast Junkie. We want to thank Zach, host of Podcast Junkie, for putting us on his show. On August 5th, he did a feature on our show, and you could check him out at... Cast Junkie, C-A-S-T-J-U-N-K-I-E on Twitter. He's very active on there, and if you're looking for new shows and you tweet at him, he will respond with a whole slew of fantastic options based on your likes and dislikes. Don't tell him your dislikes. What's the point in that? But Podcast Junkie is a really fun show. We appreciate that Zach took the time to listen to us, review us, and put us on his feed. We love the people in this community that are just out to help other people. What a fantastic thing. I couldn't agree more, Garen. So thank you, Zach. Thank you, Dan, for giving me that plus one. And let's move it into the ability balance category. And let me talk to you about Lauchian. He's got a strength of eight. He's got a dex of 15, which is great for that spike chain. He's got a con of 12, intelligence of 16, wisdom of 13, and a charisma of 14. This is a plus one for me because I didn't bump his intelligence all the way up. I noticed you have a 20 in charisma. Very good for you. You're only using that for deception, I think, and intimidation intimidation of course uh but all in all i think this is a pretty solid character i want to get him a little bit more to his mental prowess because as i said he's a noble background so i think he's been around the world he's seen some things and he's not putting too much of his time into the books because he likes to get down and dirty a little too much i mean killing so let me ask you if this wizard is not using books in your mind i and this is not me trying to knock you down a peg i'm just curious how you would flavor it where does he get his knowledge? What is he studying? Like bar napkins of the other dark wizards? Because dark wizards wouldn't be hanging around in a library. They'd be like sitting around in a seedy tavern, just kind of like going over notes and sharing all the, uh, the awful spells that they've come up with. That's true. And I imagine a lot of those dark spells are probably not widely published. They are probably more past underground. So yeah, I like that. So for balance of Dolph, I'm arguing a one. 
He's got strength of 16, dex of 11, con of 14, intelligence of 8, wisdom of 10, charisma of 20. It's all that evil stuff, though. Passive perception of 10. Of course, the spellcasting ability is charisma with a spell save DC of 17 and a plus 9 on those ranged spell attacks. Proficiency in athletics, intimidation, and investigation, as well as survival. Why I'm knocking this down, he's not very smart, but also... We've got ourselves a chaotic, evil paladin, and, you know, I'll touch on this a little bit more in the X Factor, but finding the right campaign for something like this would be a little difficult. Yeah, I imagine role-playing this guy would have to dance a very fine line as to not be awful to be around for the rest of the players. Yeah, I would be scared to play this because I'm sure that the table would hate me. Aren't most players in their hearts Oath of Debauchery? (laughs) <laughs> yeah for sure I mean, he's basically the murder hobo paladin that's what he is yeah but also just seeking vices and uh, you know just uh, you know how all these players like to do downtime activities go to the brothel go to the bar i mean he's doing all that living his best life whenever he wants yep so yeah the plus one then yeah plus one plus one so let's take it into the smooth operator scenario which which was submitted by some garen jones i don't know him It reads, Some material worlders have traveled down into the lower plains looking to pick a fight with Vecna. They approach you for some information about his whereabouts and possibly hiring you as a guide. What, you? Some are polite, but others in the group are cocky and adamant that they pay you well below what the job would cost. You've seen evidence of their power and know that they would crush you like a bug. But you don't want to be taken advantage of. How do you see that you are paid fairly? So I would use my channel divinity, words of depravity, and have these dudes irresistibly follow their true desires, which I imagine would be going straight to see Vecna anyway and just leave me alone. Let's go. They wouldn't be able to stop themselves. If it was to rob me or intimidate me, I'm not frightened of them. So I would probably be somewhat stronger than they are, even though it says they'd squash me like a bug. Uh, Bring it on, because I'm level 10. I can take it. Okay. So you can't change the reality that the, that the thing is created. You can't just say, no, I'm stronger. Also, this is very aggressive. Where is your aggressive scenario going? Oh, it's more aggressive than that. Okay, so you're using your depravity, and you think you're going to fight them, even though I've already said these guys are ready for a boss fight. Well, you're not going to like the aggressive scenario, then. Dan, as a player, would not be happy if I said, okay, we're doing boss fight at level 10. I was arguing a plus two, but I guess I'll take a zero. Yeah, that's a zero. Okay. So I tell them that I can feel their power and sense that they may be the ones to truly vanquish the Dark Lord Vecna, but that they must tread lightly. Vecna is a being of incredible arrogance, so much so that his ego infests the plane, lashing out at those whose bravado could challenge his own. Now, as I say this, I cast Black Candle on a nearby candle, and all that does is turn a point of light into a point of darkness. And I'm like, oh, look, there it is. He's heard us. His ego is here. Then I cast Death Grimace. You're going to love this. So Black Candle's a cantrip. Death Grimace is also a cantrip, Dan. And what that is, is you place a mark on a corpse within range. You decide what form it takes. It could be a specific expression. It could be a magically carved symbol or word into the corpse. It could change the eye color. It can remove the fingernails. It says Dark Assassins use the spell as a calling card or as the ways to prove that the deed was done. So that is a pretty fun flavor on that cantrip. 
I use Death Grimace on a nearby drunk that has died, because that's very common in Shadowfell. And I create the symbol of Vecna on their forehead. Then I use Shadow Jaunt to teleport behind the bar. I pour them a drink, and with my plus six to persuasion, I say, all right, let's talk business. Well, I mean, that's A++. If you ask me, that's a plus two. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really setting the scene, but I'm still being nice and, and smooth. All right, so take us into how you would handle this aggressively. Okay, so aggressively, I say you material folk think you can come into our world and take command? You know not the beings you trifle with. I cast Wall of Gloom, which is a darkness wall, around us, and then I cast Kreshnek's Eerie Mask on my face, which makes my face turn to just a void of black, hopefully giving them the impression of more power. Oh my gosh! So I'm trying to bluff a little bit here. I'm arguing a zero. Yeah, I mean, this is not as strong as the smooth, for sure. No, it's not. All right, take your zero. I'm actually arguing a plus one, okay? So hear me out. I use alter self. I, I imagine I'm being approached somewhere in public. I mean, a tavern, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So I would go to the nearest crowd of folks, and like while they're approaching me and bothering me to do it, I'd be like, hey man, no, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. And like, you know, they'd start getting a little bit more aggressive, maybe pushing me around. I'd start just darting right to the nearest crowd of folks. And while I was in just the biggest crowd of people that I could see, I would alter self to the chieftain of these jerks that are pushing me around. And there'd be two of us, right? I mean, I'd look just like him. And I would swing a punch at one of the other guys there and be like, hey, stop roughing him around. And they'd be like all confused and then a fight would probably break out and then you know how tavern fights go. I mean, they get out of hand pretty quickly. And then uh, I'd just dip out. Boy, boy. I, I don't know. I think it's pretty aggressive, but it's not the best thing I've ever said. So you turn into their leader and then you try and start a fight with them. Yeah, because, like, you know, there's, like, a lot of people around, and, like, I'd just look exactly like the guy that's already there, and then I'd, like, you know, push or punch him and be like, hey, stop pushing him around, and, you know, just start a all-out fight, and, you know, mass confusion, maybe a little bit of alcohol flowing. What's your performance? A plus five, so let's roll it. Oh, that's pretty good. Rolled a three, so not getting any Oscars. No. No, what did you want for that? A one. A one? I think it's more of a zero. All right, all right. So now that we've settled all that, we have to settle one final thing, and it's our unscored portion of the show where we answer the burning question, would you want to bring this character build into a campaign and see it through all the way to level 30 in this case? Uh, yes, I think this is a real slow burn on a wizard class. Um, the features, as I mentioned, with the nether orbs and then the aura, and then I got the nether mancy, and then at higher level I got the dark passage, plus all of the spells that we have here like the dark bolt and death grimace. Oh my gosh, this would be a fun, dark character to play. It's not dealing out a lot of damage for a wizard. It's a very nuanced, very sneaky wizard. And I think that would scratch your rogue itch as well. So that's why I chose this wizard class. I'm really feeling it. And the Shardakai, I'm not a huge elf guy. I kind of came around on elves after reading the Mordenkainen's chapter on them. But dark elves especially, I'm still not totally sold on. I like the hag folk, but the Shardakai fit a lot better for the character I was trying to build this time. I'm down with the wizard, though. How about you? Well, I, I just wanted to touch on yours a little bit. I loved the theming of these just 
dark orbs that are floating around that you can teleport between them. I like how you can see through the darkness. I believe there's also a shadow sorcerer that can do the same thing out of Wizards official content, but I really do like that because if maybe you guys are trying to plan some sort of escape or you guys are trying to get around somebody without anybody seeing you, it's a great way for you to act as kind of the north star in the whole operation and be able to see through what's going on. So I love the theming there. I agree that that would be fun to play. Also, this Oath of Debauchery Paladin is one of the more unique paladins I think I've ever built. Definitely one of the more unique paladins I've ever seen in third-party content. And I just really like that there is this paladin that's passionate about fulfilling all of their desires and vices and all this other stuff. It's just really dark innately. So I think in the right setting, this would be awesome. I loved the Aura of Excess, which was a nice balance and an awesome ability that I really haven't seen as an area effect before where, you know, you got like the maximum amount of healing. And additionally, I loved the flavor of the words of depravity because it's like this theme of these dark psychic powers that were just luring people to do exactly what they wanted to do. Just thought it was really awesome. So yeah, I would I would definitely play this under the right circumstances. And uh, hats off again to a great supplement by Marching Modron Press. Yeah, I want to reiterate one more time that uh, the the words of depravity, just the idea behind that mechanic was so original and so fresh. I absolutely love that. Obviously, Dan, this was a very close episode. You only beat me six to one. But as you mentioned, this was a great product. Yeah, and we don't want to take anything for granted here in the lab, but we get cool stuff each and every week. So let's take a moment to acknowledge how incredible it is that publishers like Marching Modron Press are creating entirely fleshed out worlds that you can just slap 5e rules on and run a game. And we featured at least a handful of books like this already. I mean, most recently, Margrave by Cobalt Press. It just goes to show that the passion creators have and how swamped we are with real palpable talent out here in this community. Yeah, absolutely. We can go on and have a whole separate show of all of the talented creators and hopefully Every week when we dive into these 30 to 40 minute episodes, we're doing a pretty great job gushing over our admiration for these guys and the hard, hard work. Guys, we create content every single week. We know how hard and how much work goes into this, um, especially getting playtesting and balance right. And these guys are working really hard. And the prices that they're asking are a complete song in comparison to the Wizards official content. And nine... Point nine times out of 10, you're getting a better product than what Wizards has been putting out as of late anyway. Damn, hitting them with some hard truth right there. Take, for instance, our biggest gripe with Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica is that we didn't think that they offered enough player options because they didn't. It didn't make it feel like you were part of the guild at all. Well, Alex Riggs and Joshua Zabak heard our cries, and next week we're going to be featuring their works because they've been busy creating individual DMs Guild products for each and every one of the guilds. Thank you. So if you know anything about the Guilds of Ravnica, you can probably already guess which one Dan will pick. So come back next week to see yourself correct. (laughs) Until then, guys, just remember, when it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be dark. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Lab, and all episodes for that matter. Yeah, but if you left this episode just wanting more, you can join us on Patreon for tons of bonus content. At our lowest tier, you can join our Discord and participate in fan battles and have access to all PDF content that we post. You can even chat with us throughout the day. For just a little bit more, you get two bonus episodes a month and access to the entire backlog of fight clubs, monster labs, and special interviews that we've been pumping out since March of 2018. Patrons in the next tier 
get early access to our regular show, sometimes as much as nine days prior to release date. They also get PDFs of the character sheets for the characters that we've built in the 2019 episodes and beyond, and they can submit a smooth operator or spitting fire charisma scenario that we will use in each and every episode. And our top, top tier patrons get merch a couple times a year, have a chance to submit characters, and can sway the fates with automatic crits and fails on our charisma rolls during the show. At any level, we hope to bring you more fun. We love working on this show and the support of our patrons helps continue to make it better. If you're digging the new audio production that began in 2019, just know that it wouldn't be possible without those that already donate. And we have more plans to beef up the lab and we need your help to do it. But however you support us, we thank you. We hope to have you back next week. Head over to our Facebook and Twitter at DD Character Lab for some previews of what to expect and lots of links to other great community content. Until Wednesday, peace, love, and point by. can't dance, I can't talk, the only thing about me is the way I walk. It's like Peter Gabriel or something.